1: Hello and welcome back. This is part two of my stomp with Dr. Julie Smith in Hengistbury Head Beach. If you've not listened to part one, make sure you go back and start from the beginning. Dr. Julie, I first uh, was aware of you um, on TikTok and I saw... I saw this uh, lady who was making these really, really clever videos, basically breaking down what is kind of quite complex psychology into a way that was really understandable. And I'm someone who's... I've always been interested in kind of... The mind and thought processes on a kind of more of an interest level, I guess. I've read like The Power of Now, Bearcat, Toll, Atomic Habits, all these kind of books and stuff. And I really find it fascinating. But what I thought you managed to do in a way that I don't think anyone else has is put it in a way that people can really understand. Whether it's visually, whether it's listening to what you're saying, people really get it. Do you think that's why that you rose, you know, wow, God, your, your following was like a literally skyrocket. I think that's the best way to describe it, right?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it went wild and it was unexpected, honestly unexpected. I mean, I was um, sharing all these sort of educational things in therapy and probably taking, you know, 20 odd minutes at a time to explain a yeah. concept um, on, on a sort of one-to-one level with people. But then once we started to try and make it available and we made a couple of YouTube videos and things like that, my husband, Matt, found TikTok and said, why don't you make some bite-sized videos? Yeah. And my initial thought was, Good absolutely thinking, not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, i never, you know, it will just
1: be- I'm i dancing I, me.
0: <laughs> how could I possibly talk about these things in 60 seconds? And, um, and now I don't know how to talk for longer than 60 seconds. You know, it just cuts off um, because I'm so, you know, we, we've kind of crafted that yes. um, ability to be able to chop out all the jargon all the fluff all the stuff that's unnecessary and get down to that okay what is the message what is the point here and yeah i guess you know I, yeah, the thing is when when you go to a sort of training day or something or you you learn something in detail you only take away a few bits yes. of it anyway yes. don't you there's only a few points that you would hold on to yeah. and in the sort of era of you know scrolling through short videos it makes sense that people kind of can learn in that way these days so it's it's worked out really well
1: it's it's kind of unbelievable if you think about it that you know and i I find this i've probably done a slightly longer time of kind of growth i guess but in many ways still very quick it must be very odd and incredible in a way to kind of go from starting a few videos to quite literally millions and millions and millions of people seeing seeing them was that kind of Was it an enjoyable process was it scary it must have been a bit daunting i'd imagine
0: it was definitely daunting i'm not i mean i never had any sort of ambitions to be a public person i i was happy with the job i was doing and it genuinely came out of this stuff should be more available and and a a nice idea of making it freely accessible to people but i guess that also helped me deal with how vulnerable it makes you when you put yourself out there because it wasn't about me and it wasn't about how i looked or how i sounded it was every video had to be useful in some way or yes. have some little message that could be helpful to someone. And I think when you're trying to be helpful, um, rather than liked, yeah. it takes away some of the pressure yeah. to, you know, I knew that if I did, there was so many videos I look back on and I got the lighting wrong and I didn't look right, <laughs> or I'm wearing the same t-shirt a dozen times. It doesn't know, matter. And it doesn't Because
1: you give takeaway. And I think, and I, and I share a in, in belief from what you're saying there about like people people want to know this stuff and they actually deserve to know it as well I mean I feel very strongly and you know because we made videos together on well-being yeah. for schools that I think all people young people and old whatever should have access to good reliable information about how to look after their bodies and their minds and also just how to understand their thought processes more because the way that we react to situations often has a, a really good reasoning behind that but understanding the why allows you to kind of either change it or yeah. understand it and manage it so, and I just think the way that you've unpicked the, these kind of common things I think is, has really helped people. And actually we're going to grab, Ben's actually carrying a, a jar for us right now. Ben, you got the jar? See, we're recording, anyone listening, we are we really are recording this in real time. Now what I've done, because yeah. I love your TikTok so much, and this is one of yeah. my favourite ones, I'm going to ask you to reproduce one of them, because okay. trauma therapy is something that would be very difficult. Therapy can be very hard packing things, and I was going through trauma therapy at the time that you made this video. So I let you explain. Okay, that,
0: okay, because it's brilliant. So yeah, this is a concept that I heard of when I was in clinical training, actually, and it was taught to me in a lecture uh, about how to introduce trauma therapy and it's really really frightening a lot of people don't want to do trauma therapy because they think actually i'm trying not to think about this stuff and what you're asking me to do is talk about it and it's too painful so often what happens is you start by gearing somebody up with the skills to manage really painful emotions safely in a safe way and when that person is able to do that you take um, i mean hold i probably it. should hold it. <laughs> yeah. hold it well you. maybe i should explain I feel part of this okay so the jar is your mind and all the screwed up bits of paper are the memories. So the painful stuff that you just don't want to be thinking about, but you can't help to think about because when you have unprocessed trauma, you know, the thing is overflowing. So memories pop out at different times when you don't want them to, and it makes life too difficult to function. Yeah. So the idea is in therapy, when you- It overflows you,
1: in your mind almost, absolutely. it takes over.
0: Yeah, so once you've skilled somebody up with the, the skills to be able to manage really painful emotion, you take one memory at a time, you take a good look at it, unfold it you process it you you know you do the sort of work in therapy on that sometimes that's reliving Mm. and then the process of doing that is almost like folding the piece of paper up
1: so you're taking this messy thing in your mind you're kind of trying to make sense of it and then neatly packing it
0: yeah so you're you're making sense of it You
1: take each piece out yeah is it generally the part of this I like is it you're doing this you don't have to deal with what it wants do you
0: no, that's so you do it, it, you know, over time, and that's why these things take time. And lots of people will say, "How many, how many sessions until this is yeah. all better?" And actually, some sometimes these things can take months or years. And because yeah. um, sometimes
1: you pick something around and go, "I'm not ready for that yet," and you can put it there until yeah. you're ready to. And I think that's yeah. for me was part of the trauma therapy how difficult was that? Oh gosh, if I open Pandora's box, it's all going to kind of come out. But it doesn't have to. If you can yeah. control stuff and you deal with it, and I think that's where a really good therapist will help you because they can help you unpack it in that kind of way. That yeah, it is painful. Yeah. Let's be honest. but yeah. it leaves you with a much neater, even though it's not perfectly smooth and and spotless it is much better than when it started like this
0: yeah it's still painful when you go to it but you have more choice because once they're all folded they fit neatly in the bottom which gives you more capacity to focus on other things in your life that matter to you. And so you can still go there when you choose to. You can open it up and you can experience that pain and keep processing it, but it takes some of the control back. Yeah. It enables you to then, you know, refocus on other things um and think about it when you want to. Well,
1: that's fantastic. So let's stomp awesome, on, shall we? Let's go. So it wasn't enough for you to kind of be massive on socials you went on to uh, write a number one sunday times best-selling book which you know i i had a similar experience in terms of writing book and going wow but what a moment was that was that was that an incredible one for you it must have been
0: uh, yeah i mean every step of the way with this thing it's amazed me and um so yeah it's a complete joy to see Probably, I mean, you can say, oh, the number one or the number two and those kind of things. And and they are wonderful and I'm so grateful for that. But the things that probably I really hold on to are when someone sends me a message and says, I'm working through the book with my partner or my mom or my sister, and we're finding it so helpful. It's really changed things for us, thank you. And because that was the reason I started all of this in the first place was to reach people outside of the therapy room. And and I understand it will be in a more diluted way, But to you know to hear people using the book and making positive change in their lives, to me that's incredible
1: feeling. Yeah, my mum, my mum says this, and I think it's fantastic. If you can help one person, yeah, that is enough. Yeah, and I really love that idea. Like we, we, we sometimes it's really worth holding on to the fact that if you can reach even one person and make a change in their life, they're happier, they're healthier. That is enough. Yeah. Now the book is incredible, and you know what? Funny, I've just been in Glastonbury and my. One of my best friends is just finishing reading it. And no. he was raving, he's very jealous that I'm chatting to you today. So Chris, he's a doctor, <laughs> A&E doctor. Yeah. Um, and he absolutely loves it. And, and I think what he said is exactly that. You break it down into chapters that just make more sense. I think sometimes we we convolute and make, we make medicine, make health too complex in a, in a way that I just don't think is accessible to people. And, and some of it is hard. I mean, one of the chapters I'd like to talk to you about now is one that I'm very interested about, or one of the sections about, you know you focus on like a kind of what is a meaningful life i guess that kind of concept of of a meaningful life and that's a very complex topic but yeah. trying to break it down in a way that people find helpful isn't easy but we're gonna try and have a little chat about it now because i've been thinking about that you know i hit my 30s i'm now 31 and i think turning 30 was that kind of big reflective stage of oh my gosh am i living a meaningful life am I, you know am i achieving things i want to what would you kind of define as a meaningful life
0: well, I, I guess you know the the idea of that section of the book was was born out of a therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, yeah. which really looks at the idea that chasing happiness isn't always the best path to happiness. So this idea that if you if you focus on what matters to you, what's meaningful, then things start to shift and start to change in a really positive way. And and I think you know we can often I don't know with with definitely social media and things perpetuate that that idea that if you can create something that looks shiny, perfectly neat. happy yeah. and shiny then it must be that all of the time and and happiness is not our default but something we're all set up to live by is some sort of purpose and meaning so by finding that we're living as
1: we should i've been thinking a bit about this the whole meaning to life and all this kind of thing and and, and i and i guess for me it's on a basic level it's about having a sense of purpose i think every human being And I talk about this quite a bit. I think, you know, it's all very well thinking about well being. But until you have a sense of purpose, none of that really matters. So each day every human needs to understand, you know, a little bit about what it is that gets them up in the morning. You know, whether that might be their kids or whether it's like they like knitting, whether it's like walking, or you've got a passion for health, or you got it it doesn't really matter what it is or how big or small you see that purpose to be but you have to have it don't you otherwise that is where that meaning question comes in it's like well, well what am i doing here
0: yeah yeah and and some of the questions i get are around well well what should i value you know what others mean and and that's the the joy of the process is in working out what is most important to you you know nobody can dictate that to you and although to a degree um you know whatever society or culture you live in will have its own uh, suggestions about what it is that you should be you know placing as most important in your life but you those things change over time as well I mean my values as an 18 year old yeah. are very different to my values now and and so it's really important to keep in touch with them and I, I find a lot of people come along to therapy who say you know I'm not really sure what the problem is I just feel lost and I just everything feels a bit meaningless and and often then when you do some of these exercises around just working out what your values are and getting some clarity on those, it really creates these sort of transformative shifts for people where they have that clarity again on, okay, what matters to me? And you know, what do I want to be doing? How do I want to be living my life?
1: So, if you're if people are listening to this now and if, if this is a big question clearly you know you, everyone's life is different it's the same as medicine you can't give individual advice but how can someone start to unpack and go like what is meaning to me what does that mean
0: yeah i think it's about getting some clarity on all the different layers of your life and what matters to you at this point not in terms of what you want to happen to you but the kind of person you want to be so whether it's you know good times or hard times how do you want to approach this Mm. and what kind of thing do you want to represent to the other people in your life? So often, for example, when I'm doing a little sort of values check-in, which I do on a fairly regular basis, I'll just uh, split a page into different boxes and I'll have parenting marriage friendships family relationships um, creativity lifelong learning Um, some people might have things like faith or you, you can have anything on there. I have health on there so you can split all the different areas of your life and then you just put in those boxes different kind of it can be a single word or a sentence a bullet point about the kind of person you want to be in that area of your life what is most important to you in that area of your life and and what you do is you sort of create this um, this map, if you like, of the different areas and 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 then you can then rate. OK, well, how important are the? once you've got your little values, how important are these values to me? Not mm-hmm. to ten, really simple. Zero, not important at all. Yeah. Ten, really important and once you've rated them you can then rate them again but this time how closely you feel you're living uh, in line with yeah. those things and if you have a disparity so if you notice that okay i've rated this area say my health as 10 out of 10 really important to me i'm not actually me.
1: doing anything for that area
0: yeah maybe i've now then rated it as a mismatch. two yeah. yeah so i'm you know and and not in a way to be self critical no, no. but as a, a signpost to say okay this is an area of my life yeah. that I'm not living in line with what matters most to me. So, how can I shift back towards it? So, it it just, it's like turning a light on. It just enables you when you sort of feel lost or overwhelmed, it can just um shine a light on how life might have pulled you away mm-hmm. from certain things that are important to you
1: because often people and i find this when i talk to people as well is that they sometimes and we're all we all we all like this i think at times we want to make action straight away we want to do something like i don't feel great let's just go and do something yeah. but self-awareness is the first step isn't it without awareness yeah. and understanding what's going on here your actions might be completely in the wrong direction you know i talk about with like general wellbeing, you might think, oh, gosh, uh, I don't feel good. Well, I'm going to exercise even more. But actually, the fact of the matter is you might be someone who loves exercising, does lots of exercising, but what you really need is rest and sleep. So without standing back and thinking, but what is it that's contributing to how I feel, you might actually do too much of the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And and often people feel a sense of urgency when they first start therapy, for example, where they want the how to. How can I just make it all go away or how can I feel better? And sometimes there's a frustration with, um working out okay what's going on first what's the landscape understanding the problem yeah. fully, but what you find is a lot of people then once they fully have awareness of something and understand it in such a detailed way they don't really need the how to, because lots of us know yes. the things that we yeah, should yeah, be doing yeah, yeah. that will help, but we can't but you need do them that. because- you need, that.
1: And you need that mirror to look at it first. Yeah. It's like kind of building a house without doing, you know, all the architecture and planning and development, just chucking yeah. it up. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, so.
0: And if you understand what the emotional barriers are that are stopping you from doing it, then often that is enough to, to help you sort of walk through that and process it.
1: Let's talk happiness for a moment, because in a similar way to finding meaning, a lot of people say, I want to find happiness. Now. I think it's quite interesting if you look at the other way and going like, what is being unhappy? And I I hear this idea of like, it's a mismatch, being unhappy is a mismatch between your expectation and reality. So like expecting to have the perfect life, the nice car, the beautiful wife and the holidays all the time, but the reality not meeting that. But then it's an interesting thought that for some people, they have an expectation and even when they get the reality, they're still not happy
0: yeah yeah it's not very
1: simple is it no (laughs) we we move the goalposts right
0: don't we we say well now i need you know you were never enough if we if we place our worth or our value outside of ourselves, then we just keep shifting that goalpost and then, and then we never truly fulfill enough. And, and I think it's a process of working out that I can find that within me, wherever I am, whatever stage I'm at. And I can still have drive and work towards things, but I can, I can be happy with who I am. It's a really easy thing to sort of roll off the tongue, but not so easy to, to go through it. And I think it, it takes a while. It
1: takes a while. And I think the other thing is I wonder as well if the shift should be more towards looking for peace. Because happiness is kind of... Often happiness is like an emotional state. It's temporary, isn't it? Feeling really happy. And People often put happiness and attribute that to a sense of elation. But that elation is never going to be... Well, by definition, it's never going to be continuous. We're going to have sadness, right? That's yeah. life. Yeah. So finding a sense of peace within yourself seems a better and more yeah. achievable goal.
0: Yeah, I think um, this this whole sort of societal expectation that that happiness is some sort of default and that if we're not feeling happy that that needs to be pathologised we're we're wrong,
1: it's not normal Yeah, but it is.
0: There's something really freeing about realising down days are normal, everybody has them everybody experiences stress at times or anxiety at times and um, everybody feels overwhelmed at times once we recognise that that's a part of normal life and, and being human we can use the tools to help them we, we can use the tools to help bring ourselves back down or lift our mood back up and those sorts of things but we don't then add self-criticism no. to the mix uh, you know i that, must be that failing feels
1: where we're getting that's where the problem begins in some ways it's like oh i don't feel happy all the time there's something wrong with me it's because i'm lazy it's because i'm this it's because i'm not wearing this or look at that person and start comparing Where well, if you stop and go actually don't feel very happy today, but I have actually been working flat out the last few days. I'm pretty tired. I probably need a down day. Yeah. It's probably normal that I feel this way. Yeah. You prevent that spiral, don't you?
0: Yeah. And it's often, you know, you look at something like grief, where it's a normal, natural human response. If somebody sets themselves uh, some sort of arbitrary goal, I, you know, I should be over this in six months, and I should be back to work normally, um, you know, not having down days, everything should be okay. Then you're setting yourself up to feel like you're failing because it just doesn't work that that way so I think the the more we talk about these things and understand how they are when they are natural and normal i.e they take time then we don't get ourselves all
1: sort of um flustered like worked up over it yeah yeah I talk a lot about um living with anxiety on my own platforms because I have anxiety I have a therapist I take sertraline which helps kind of manage my anxiety I also practice a lot of things in my life that, that kind of really help manage that and I know the kind of triggers of what makes it worse and how I can make it better you know one of the things that you focus on a lot in the book is kind of maybe looking at some of the more unusual signs of anxiety or just realizing you know I, I guess it's emotional literacy isn't it it's like labeling understanding what is it that I'm feeling because I notice when I see your TikTok sometimes when you talk about like the three, three things you didn't realize were anxiety people are really shocked by them aren't they I think we have a really Maybe society builds this idea of this is what it looks like. To be depressed, this is how you look. To be anxious, this is how you look. And that's a real trap in some ways, because then people don't realise, oh, gosh, I actually have anxiety.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, but also, I guess, this idea that that if something is anxiety, that that's somehow not OK. Yeah. But it is normal to experience yes. episodes of anxiety and and to feel anxious at times, and there are tools that can help with it. And I think there's something just really humanising about that whole thing, that, yes, there are things that you do that that may be to do with anxiety, therefore, you can put these things in place that will help. You know, it's not necessarily helpful for us to sort of pathologise it all, all of the time, is it? But as soon as th- something becomes normalize and something that we recognize it's just something else that i need to work on it's just it's just another part of my health that i need to pay attention to and just like anything else you know if you have a dodgy knee or a you know you get headaches a lot or whatever it is you put things in place to deal with it you don't sort of question your worth as a human or, yeah, that's or so true, you know you, you don't feel embarrassed i'm anxious about therefore
1: it. i'm like broken or something yeah it's like no that's that actually may well be a very normal response to something. And I guess it's like learning, you know, when is it normal responses to a stressful situation or a worrying situation, and when does it become pathological? Yeah, It's quite hard for people to know sometimes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think people don't have to know either, you know, that um, if something is a... A struggle and you feel that you could benefit from support with it then go and get that support I think a lot of people will message me and say you know do you think I have depression or do I have anxiety and and I guess what they're looking for is that sense of if I meet the criteria for a diagnosis then I'm enough to seek help then this is bad enough that I you know I warrant support actually you warrant support any time that you feel you're struggling so you don't worry you know the the diagnoses and those kind of things they're most helpful for the doctors as That's a way so of true. them communicating a That's cluster so of true. symptoms but who cares if you if you don't meet this That's criteria? That's what you experience. you're
1: experiencing. Something that bothers you because yeah. I guess you must. You get people come saying to you, "Oh gosh, I don't know if I'm bad enough to be here. Or, am, I, yeah. am I? Am I bad enough for therapy? Is that yeah, something you all get?" The t-
0: all the time, people will sort of say, "I've put it off for months because I feel like everybody else has you know worse problems than me or those kind of things." But you know, imagine if we did that with physical health. You know, I won't yeah. I won't go and get that sort of you know a dodgy knee sorted or bad back sorted because other people have you know worse health conditions. But then what you end up with is a worse health condition because you haven't looked after it along the and way. Maybe that's
1: where it does become more pathological because you've allowed it to kind of affect yeah. the rest of your life. It's kind of like, you know, we're walking along here. If I had a really bad ankle, how long am I going to wait before I go and see the doctor? So, do you know what? My ankle's really a nuisance now. What, a week yeah. or so? You know, it's stopping me doing what I enjoy. Yeah. But then with mental health, people seem to allow ill health or s- symptoms that are affecting them to go on for sometimes decades before they'll yeah. say and it's really affected their function it's yeah it's a cr- it's a huge shame and i think that's what's so powerful about your book is you're you're basically trying to p- educate people it's just if people have an understanding they know then what to do with that don't they, they go yeah. well i can cope i'll well, try these tools and actually if that's not working i'll go and get some help yeah. but if you don't understand then you've got nowhere to start from you can't have that self-awareness if you don't understand right absolutely Julie, I've really enjoyed chatting uh, about your book. And, uh, you know, I know Chris is a big fan of it. I'm sure a huge number of people are are reading it right now. But if you haven't, make sure you have have a read of Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before by Dr. Julie Smith. It is a fantastic book and I think will help a lot of people out there. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this episode with Dr. Julie Smith. Remember, if you're not finished stomping yet, make sure to go back and listen to the final part now. We'll come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you soon.